people out very often, but just felt like getting his kids and my grandkids into their bedrooms was his first priority this weekend. So, oh, God is so good. Sal and I are actually away on a writing retreat right now. And uh, I've gotten about just over a quarter of the next booklet drafted out. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to get this one at least close to finished. Um, no surprise that the subject is humility. So when I come to do something, it's going to be what's already in me. And uh, well, I want to talk this morning about humility primarily because it, it's one of those things that's supposed to be from heaven to earth. The humility that Jesus modeled that's a part of the Godhead is the humility that we're supposed to live in. But we're in a society right now where the Humility and the value for humility is almost completely gone. Um, just the, the verse I wanted to start with is, blessed are the poor in spirit, Matthew 5, 3. And uh, I, I know that poor in spirit is more than humility, but I want to use it this morning in that context, and you'll understand as I go, I go through this. There, there is a, a foundation of the kingdom that, if, if the humility isn't there, we're not going to see the release of power. If we do see release of power, it's going to destroy us in the process because we don't have the humility to sustain what God's doing. And if you go back and look, read through the history of the healing move in the 50s, most of the healing evangelists hit an issue of their own character that ended up diminishing what they were doing in the ministry. They saw such incredible things that it, it, it did something to them as people. And I believe in this next move, we're going to see what they saw and more. But if we don't have the humility of heaven, that kingdom humility in place, I believe we're going to miss this. And the challenge we have is that in our society, humility and the value for humility is almost non-existent. Um, in the, it's not there in the media and sports and entertainment. Where, wherever you go, humility is not a valued thing. It has no value at all. And the challenge is, even in our Christian witness and much of you, what you see in the media that, that is presenting a Christian message, there's almost no humility in it. And I believe there's two primary reasons for that. One is, I don't think we understand what humility is. And second, I don't think we understand how much God values humility. If we don't believe God values something, we're not going to seek that. We're not going to walk after it. We're not going to walk in it. We're not going to change our own nature, um, adjust ourselves so we walk in humility. Um, I want to start in the Old Testament, and then we'll push over into the New but this is a promise that Isaiah records, having visited heaven, having seen what's in heaven. He, he records this, but to this one I will look. To him is, who is humble and contrite of spirit, who trembles at my word. 
look at those three pieces. What, what does it take to get God's attention? Humility, a contrite spirit, and trembling at his word. How many of you would really, really like it if God listened to everything you said? <laughs> you tell your secret, he does. But so many of the times we're praying the things and we're wanting to see things happen, but the motive of wanting to see happen is about us rather than about him. And he's looking for a humility in us that will, that will shift that. When we live from humility, we can have confidence that God responds. We can have confidence that he hears. That, that idea of looking toward is, is literally his blessing flowing toward that person or that people or that group of people. When he sees humility, something happens. He reaches toward it. And so he's looking for a people whose character, whose nature is marked by humility. So when we're praying for more, when we're praying for more of his power, more of his presence, we need to also be looking for more of his humility. Um, where, uh, scripture tells us to clothe ourselves with humility, to actually put it on. Um, I don't believe you should pray, God, humble me. I really don't think you want that. I, I think the way more legal prayer is that we choose to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. It's a, it's a decision we make to position ourselves in humility. Um, the, the English word contrite is, is a bit of a challenge for us. The word contrite in English means remorse or penance. And it, it's, it carries the idea of living constantly aware of our guilt and shame, which seems like it's in direct contradiction with our new identity. And in fact, that's one of the reasons humility is not taught is, is we don't like what it says. But if we go over into the Hebrew, it actually changes the context completely. The Hebrew word used there for contrite means maimed or crippled. God looks for the maimed and crippled. <laughs> Don't you love humility already? Doesn't that just, just, just make, gives you the warm fuzzies? Um, uh, it's primarily used in the Old Testament for the word, when you find the word lame, it's usually that same word contrite. That, that's the word that's used. It's exactly the same word. And the, the idea of it is Jacob wrestling with God and in the end, he surrenders. God touches his hip and he walks with a limp. And the limp is the contract. You've surrendered your self-will. You've surrendered your self-ability. You've surrendered your self-desires. You've surrendered your ability to get it done without him. And all that's left is contrite. That's what he's after. So when I live with a contrite spirit, it means that my human spirit is dead to my self-effort. How many of you know that's a challenge to get there? Because there's a lot of our self-effort that wants to stay alive. But what God's looking for is a people that have gotten past their self-effort and have gotten into a place of total surrender where we walk with a limp. 
And that's, that's the contract. Sal and I have had the privilege of meeting with literally dozens of leaders around the world. And one of the common marks of those leaders is every one of them is crippled somewhere. Every one of them is maimed somewhere. Whether it's relational challenge, whether it's financial issues, whether it's a physical issue. I mean, one of our friends sees hundreds of deaf healed and, and has a son who's deaf that he can't seem to get healed. Sally and I have been praying for 50 years for her hearing and she still doesn't hear. But we lay hands on deaf people overseas all the time and see them here. We're crippled. We're maimed. There's a self-effort peace that just doesn't work anymore. And so we begin to talk about humility. Humility is more than just a putting ourselves down. In fact, it has nothing to do with putting ourselves down. Humility is very, very different from that. He's also looking for those who tremble at his word, where his word, his voice, what he desires, what he wants, what's on his heart takes absolutely first priority over everything else. Our use of our time, our use of our energy, our use of our money. There's a humility that puts him first in everything. When we walk in humility, then God begins to open up our destiny in front of us. If you're having trouble finding what God's call is on your life, find humility. And in that place of humility, you'll begin to find the next season. But too often we're afraid of the season of humility. And so we, we neglect to really position ourselves to, he, to hear what he has for us. When we walk in humility, the impossible becomes normal because we're strategically linked to him. A subtitle of today would be humility and faith. There's a very close tie in scripture between humility and faith. I, I don't believe I've ever heard the connection between humility and faith taught. I may have, but I, I don't remember ever hearing that a message. We just, we just don't get around to it. Humility is a total surrender and dependence on God, literally an emptying of ourself. So humility first is a position we take in our life and with our life that puts God's interests first. When you're, when you're humble, somebody else's interest comes before your interests. And the starting place of that is God's interests come before my interests. I have a lot of interests, but if his interests don't come first, then I'm really not walking in humility. I may be walking in some form of obedience. I may be doing the work of God. I may be serving in the church. I may be doing certain things. But until his interests are first, I'm really not walking in humility. <coughs> the second component of humility is that it's characterized by a teachable spirit that puts others first. So my, my walk before God, my humility before him, my worship of him translates then into the way I behave in society and with people around me. So the third part of humility is, 
is that our humility before God prepares us to reveal the humility of Jesus to the world. The gospel message is going to change this nation when it comes from humility, not from arrogance. When it comes from humility, not from judgment. It comes from humility, not from a position of we've got it and you don't have it. And it's just, it's got to change to a message that's so cloaked in humility that it can be received no matter who's on the other end of it. And I believe that we're coming into a time of some of the greatest release of humility that we've ever experienced. We've seen it in the nations. We're seeing it in, in people around the world. We're seeing it during, even during this COVID season. We're seeing a great humility cloaking the body of Christ. And I believe that's going to be one of the keys to revival in our nation. But it doesn't get to the nation until it gets to the church. And somehow it's got to become a priority in us to walk and live from a place of humility. In Philippians, we read this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ, he humbled himself. If Jesus' disposition was humility, my disposition must be his humility. I believe it was Andrew Murray that wrote that you have as much of the mind of Christ as you have of his humility. You know, we, we, we so often talk about wanting the mind of Christ, but when we talk about the mind of Christ, we're thinking about thinking and ministering and doing like he did. We're not always thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, which are the character traits of Jesus that have to be worked into our life. And humility is one of those primary characteristics that was in the life of Christ. We see it in Scripture in some dramatic ways and I'm not going to take a lot of time on this, but I just, I just want to run through just the Gospel of John. And I want us to be impacted by Christ's statements of humility. John 15, 19, or 5:19, "The Son can do nothing of himself." He's contrite. 5.30, my judgment is just because I seek not my own will. Contrite, humble. I receive not glory from men. How easy it is to get our affirmation from the people around us. 16.38, I am come not to do my own will not here to do what I want to do or what I need to do or what I feel like I should do. My teaching is not mine, John 7, 16. I'm not come of myself, John 7, 28. I do nothing of myself, 8, 28. 
I have not come of myself, but he sent me. I seek not my own glory. The words that I say, I speak not for myself. The word which you hear is not mine. Can you hear? I mean, this is just in one gospel. There's this continual message of it's not about me. That is the nature of the humility that he's asking us to step in. (coughs) So many times in the church, we allow it to be all about us. We have a bunch of needs. We have these needs and we really want those needs to get messed. So we we become and can become very self-focused. But in the end, humility puts somebody else's needs in front of our needs. We encourage you to come and give to this incredible mission group going out. And I encourage you right now in the rest of the message, if you haven't had a chance to sow in, let's do it because their needs matter more than my needs. Their needs matter more than the church's needs. Can you all hear me? Why do we do this? Because those needs matter. And there's something in us as a people that when we begin to put his needs first, we'll then begin to put others' needs and suddenly God's supply increases to us in absolutely remarkable ways. You won't interrupt me if you come up. So humility is a kingdom essential. Jesus is the perfect example both in his relationship with his father and also in his ministry. The things he did in ministry, things he did in witness, every, they all came out and were birthed out of humility. So if he was that way, then I've got to learn to be that way. So let's look at a few examples of that in Scripture. This is Paul writing. He says, My grace is sufficient for you, For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. This is the Apostle Paul. This is a brilliant mind. This is the Pharisee of the Pharisees. This is a teacher of the law. This is the one they choose to go reinforce the, the things that the Pharisees are doing and teaching. I mean, this is the cream of the crop in his own self-ability. And he says, you know, God's saying to him actually in this passage, but my grace is sufficient for power is perfected in weakness. <coughs> Somebody brought a word during worship and I, I wasn't looking up about this season of the outpouring of miracles. Absolutely true. Absolutely, I'm confident we're witnessing that in so many places. Just in Lebanon, in, uh, we, we were able to really bless Gabby. In their services, they have started seeing dramatic miracles happening just during worship. Um, they, they, they had, and I'm, I'm trying to get the documentation from them on it, they had a, a type one diabetic completely healed in their worship two months ago. Um, 
I don't know of a written testimony of that. And I'm trying to get it because we, we, these strongholds have got to be broken down. Um, they've had several things dramatic. Um, that lady was a Muslim visitor that walked into their meetings. And uh, just God just touched her. And, and we're, looking for, we're looking for that. But the access to that is power is perfected in weakness. Too often in the body of Christ, we're not encouraged to share our weakness. We're encouraged to share that we've got it all together. But Paul is humble enough that he's willing to state where it really is. You know, I actually can't do that. But his power in me. So humility is not putting yourself down so you don't do anything, but humility is redirecting yourself so that others are touched by the power and presence. It's not about you. So Paul, as an, as an imitary of Christ, is not afraid to acknowledge his powerlessness. I just, probably the last couple of days, I've just, I've been seeing Paul in that context. And what a shift from Pharisee of Pharisees to I glory in my weakness. What a shift. What if the body of Christ could glory in their weakness so that the power of Christ could dwell in us? What if we could get over ourselves enough that we could see him glorified in the lives of people around us? There are two times, two instances of scripture where, <clears throat> where Jesus talks about great faith. And I just want to look at those real briefly. The first is the centurion. Remember, he's got a servant that needs healing. And Jesus' response to that centurion was, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. But Jesus said that to what the centurion said, which was, I'm not worthy that you should even come under my roof. It's the humility of a man in great authority that released the miracle and caused Jesus to say, that's great faith. I don't know about you, I want to walk in some great faith. But great faith is found in humility, not in having it all together. Not in how much you fasted, not in how much you prayed, please fast, please pray. Not, not in how much you give, please give. It's not, but it, those things aren't to produce something. They're responses of humility to the incredible God that we serve. But when we want to see his power released into our nation and into our culture, it's going to come through vessels that are choosing to humble themselves, that are choosing to walk contrite before him. I am not afraid to walk lame. I'm not afraid to walk with a limp. Honestly, if you don't have a limp, I have trouble trusting you. Hello? That's, that's not a mean statement. 
But when you encounter somebody that's pushed through the tough challenges and they've come out with faith and, and boldness, it's that pushing through, that obedience of faith, that you know they're bedrock. You know they're solid. They walk with a limp. And maybe, maybe this morning's message should be titled, Walk with a Limp. <laughs> the second one was the Syrophoenician woman. <coughs> Jesus says to her, A woman, great is your faith. What's the context? He's called her a dog. And she owns her unworthiness and responds back, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs under your table. I don't understand all that story, but I understand the great faith that in the midst of a challenge to her identity, she steps up and knows where her source is. Doesn't matter what my identity is, I know who you are. You can heal. You can do this. So both these people are looking for help. Both of them have some form of expression that, you know, this really isn't about me. I'm not worthy. One has great authority. The other one has no authority. So it's not about the natural positioning. It's at the place of humility that knows the source. Do we want to see miracles in this next season? Then let's put on humility. Clothe yourself to humility. Whatever it takes, let's ask God to show us how we position ourselves to begin to walk in true humility. One verse that really intrigues me in Scripture is Numbers 12. Now the man Moses was very humble more than any man who was ever on the face of the earth. The fascinating thing to me about that verse is as far as we know, Moses wrote it. Can you imagine Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing the book of Numbers? And suddenly he finds himself writing now, the man Moses was very humble, more than any man who's on the face of the earth. Don't you want to see the look on Moses' face? I mean, there's a number of videos I want to check out when I get to heaven. That's one of them. I want to see the reaction of Moses writing that about himself. This is a man who had everything, the education, the training, the call, the purpose of God, and he tried to do it in his proud spirit, in his rich spirit, without poor in spirit, and he failed. He ends up in the wilderness. He ends up herding sheep. He ends up completely sure that he will never see the fulfillment of his purpose. And when he's finally confident that he'll never see it, God shows up in a burning bush. 
and sends this broken, humble, contrite man who trembles at his word. He sends him to Pharaoh and delivers Israel. It wasn't all the preparation. It was the humility. It was the surrender to the Spirit of God. It was surrender to the purpose of God. It was a surrender to the Holy Spirit. (coughs) Humility, which is a character trait of Jesus, has got to become a character trait of us. We've got to, by the Holy Spirit, position ourselves um, I believe that human, humility, because, because the char- it's a character trait of Jesus, it would also be a fruit of the Spirit. Because anything that's in the character of Jesus is going to be worked out into my life and my personality by the Holy Spirit. So we're, at, we're asking the Holy Spirit to show us where I'm not poor in spirit. Where am I behaving out of my own internal ability to fix this and do this? Where am I I doing this without your power and without your presence? Because wherever that is, I want to get rid of that from my life. Because I want everything I do to come from that position and that place of humility. Humility first impacts our actions because from humility we become more responsive to the Spirit of God. If If you're struggling to respond to what God's saying, you're probably struggling with humility because you've got your own list of answers or fixes of how this is going to work. And his fix isn't matching what you're hearing. And so you're struggling with your fix for this. (coughs) Secondly, it changes how we think. Not just how we relate to God, but how we relate to other people. The more you walk in humility, the bigger God gets. The more we see his ability, his power, his resources, his nature. The more aware we are of what is available in resources because from that position of humility, we can begin to see correctly. The son that went away and came back gets blessed with a ring and a robe. The son that stayed missed humility and missed the blessing of everything that was going on. It's not the perfect one that God's looking for. It's the humble one he's looking for. He's looking for those who will humble themselves and tremble at his will. And then thirdly, it empowers us to give up our rights and privileges. Oh, we don't like this, especially as Americans. It empowers us to give up our rights and privileges for the sake of God's kingdom. What comes first? We're told if we seek first the kingdom, then all these things will be added. But what does it mean to seek first the kingdom? It means that what I want, it means that my rights and privileges take second place to his rights and privilege. Humility is a surrender to who he is and surrender to what he has for us. I believe that you'll begin to hear this as a message across our nation. 
I believe you're going to begin to witness this in leaders in the body of Christ. I, I've already begun to witness it dramatically in so many places in the earth. We're beginning to see a shifting of the, the pride and the position and the titles and those things are beginning to fall away. And there's a true genuine humility that only wants what God wants. A full surrender to him. I like using different translations sometimes. <coughs> this is one of my favorites of Matthew 5.5. 5. Happier those who are humble. They will receive what God's promised. I just, I love that translation. I just love the way it says it. Um, we're getting ready to go into a conference full of joy. I encourage you, if you haven't registered to do that, I really believe that what, what you're going to experience this weekend is, is an outpouring of presence, an outpouring of joy, an outpouring of, of peace. So come and do that. Come and allow yourself to be do it, to, to be touched by it. But in the midst of that, find humility. Let's find a place of full surrender. I, I, I don't even like to use the word brokenness. Crippled is a, is a strange word to use in that context because it implies something that I've not experienced. I can say we've been crippled, we've been maimed, but it doesn't feel like that. It feels like surrender. It feels like letting go. And I love the way God did it with Jacob is for the rest of his life, he's walking with a limp because he had an encounter with God. Let's look for that kind of encounter that draws us into his presence and releases the true nature of humility into our hearts. Just the last list for this morning. <coughs> Just some of the promises <coughs> That God makes, <coughs> sorry guys, I don't know what it is about Branson, but there's something in the atmosphere that my sinuses are loving so much. <coughs> God promises his presence to the humble. He promises his promotion to the humble. He promises his power to the humble. He promises his protection to the humble. He promises his peace to the humble. He promises an effective prayer life to the humble. He promises real prosperity to the humble. He promises fulfilling his purpose in our life to the humble. That's a pretty good list. I, I could live in that list quite happily. And I believe he's calling us to do that. So could we just stand up together? Thank you, DSSM, for your wonderful timekeeping this morning. 
I had deliberately in my mind trimmed 10 minutes out of this morning to give you time and you didn't take all your time. And that's a masterful thing. Thank you, guys. Just put our hands out. Father, we're not going to ask you to humble us. But we're asking you to reveal where we are not yet poor in spirit. Reveal the places in our lives where our self-effort is still dominating our behavior. Reveal the places to us that we have not fully surrendered to your presence and to your purpose. I just speak to that online audience right now. There's quite a few watching online today. And we just encourage you to take the same position right now and just invite the Holy Spirit to bring a revelation. What parts of me are still stuck in my self-effort? And whatever those pieces are, would you just take them in your hand right now and we just give them back to him? Father, I just surrender these bits of me that I still find so attractive to hold on to. And I invite you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I deliberately surrender myself to being contrite before you. I want to be poor in spirit. I want to be dead to my self-effort so that I can be fully alive in faith. Fully alive to your presence and your purpose and your will. Fully alive to sharing the good news with others. Fully alive to carrying your message of healing and hope and deliverance to everyone I meet. Fully alive to allowing your spirit to work through me because I position myself where your interests come first. Forgive me, Lord, where mine have come first. Forgive me where I've tried and tried and tried to set my own agenda. I surrender to yours in Jesus' name. How many of you felt like you could let go of something this morning? Yeah, me too. Father. Now just, just do something crazy practical. I want you to turn to a neighbor, maybe somebody you don't know super well, and ask them what you can pray for, for them. And then just do it. Take a couple minutes and do that. Move around and do it. Find somebody and just begin to bless them. How can I pray for you? What can I pour into you?